Hey, I'm Alyssa Moore, and welcome to Unshackling the Soul podcast. These are conversations that will hopefully drop the stigma around talking about difficult things. And along the way, I hope you learn, I hope you laugh, and I just want you to know I appreciate you being here. I'm glad you're here. And I also believe if you found this podcast, I always believe you found it for a reason. I am so glad you're back this week for part two of our conversation with Kevin Peterson. He's a licensed marriage and family therapist, also the founder of the Chronic Hope Institute, which provides family addiction coaching for families in crisis due to addiction and codependency. He's a published author, Chronic Hope Parenting the Addicted Child and Chronic Hope Families and Addiction. And Kevin, I want to pick up kind of where we left off last week talking about secrets in a family where there's addiction and just the wearing of those secrets. Oh my God, because there's nothing more important. And you know, yeah. my family, when we went to holidays and our, our, we had family that lived an hour or so within an hour's drive, we didn't show up a couple minutes late. We showed up hours late, oh, wow. hours. And, and we always had, a, we, we rehearsed the story in the car, you know, and we always had a, it was always because of X or because of Y or da, 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 da. And it was just like, I was taught as a child when I answered the phone, you know, back in the old days when we had these phones that were on the walls mm-hmm. that had these wires and yep. dials. Um, <laughs> I, I was taught to, when I answered the phone to say, um, you know, Peterson residence, this is Kevin speaking. How can I help you? Um, and they're like, oh, is your mom or dad there? Nope. And they, they could be standing next to me and they're like, nope. And uh, can I take a message, please? And, and I look back on it now and it's like an eight year old is telling whoever's on the phone. Yeah. My parents aren't home. Yeah. You know, I'm like, well, that's, that's Looney Tunes. But that was, you know, that was it. That was the rule. Yeah. Absolute. Nope. Never changed that rule. That was the law. What I think is interesting as you're talking about the secrets is, and I'll, I'll tell you very briefly the story. So I'm in marriage counseling. And she's a sex addict professional, like she's trained in all that stuff, whatever. And so that's, that's her specialty. But the one thing that has bothered me for years is that she said to keep the secret about what happened. She told you that? Yes. Yes. Not to tell anybody about what happened because it would cause more shame. And so, yeah. And, and I look back and that is, that is that point where I got sicker and sicker because I had to keep the secret, keep the image. Yeah. And now I'm like, no, no, that was the worst. That was, that was so unhealthy because as you're talking about those family dynamics and keeping secrets, that's all it was. It was, it it was keeping a secret. It was keeping a facade. It was not allowing, I mean, this is, you know, this was gosh, what, you know, several, several years ago at this point, but the fact that that is what, somebody who was trained in this field who studied in Arizona with the top guy, supposedly that was the advice. And and for me, the secrets are just, they are the gateway to living in the dark and to keeping that addiction and to keeping the codependency and to keeping all of that flourishing. They're like fertilizer. That's amazing. I, I, you know, it's interesting is that I actually, I mean, I know who you're talking about in Arizona and, and, and that to be totally blunt, that they don't advocate that. No, I couldn't that, imagine. That was, that was, that was your therapist. I don't know what, what that was going on there, but they actually, they're big on disclosure, you know, and now by that, I mean, so this is what I tell my, this is all the families that I work with. They're like, Oh, what do I say about so-and-so's addiction? I'm like, what do you mean? 
well, but don't I need to tell everybody? I'm like, no, it's none of your business. Right. You know, that's his, that's his business, you know, his or her business. Now, if somebody asks you and says, Hey, you know, um, I, I, I notice your family member has been gone 30 to 45 days. <laughs> <You know? laughs> they're, they're on yeah. a cruise. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. They're, they're, like, there's nothing wrong with you saying, Oh yeah, they're, you know, they're, they're, in, they're in treatment for whatever. Mm. Oh really? Why? Sorry, that's it's not my job to tell their story. Yeah. You know, and, and by the way, I'm talking about someone friends close, not, you know, I'm not I'm not like telling everybody I meet, you know, um, no. because my dad was like, you know, when I started going to AA, my dad was like, what do I tell people? I'm like, what do you mean? And he goes, well, what do I tell them? And I'm like, oh, just tell them I quit drinking and that then I'm taking care of myself. And if they have questions, they can call me. Yes. Um, yes. And, and he was like, OK, cool. And, and you know, in that scenario, you know, the. The, you know, the ther- I, don't know, I don't know where the therapist was coming from on that because that the one thing but the one thing I always tell the families that I work with is it's it's not your story to tell. You can tell your story. Yes. I have a partner. I have a child that struggles with addiction and this is how it affects my life. Yes. But it's not okay for you to tell their story. And I would 100% and, agree with you on that one. Yeah. But to yeah. not be able to tell your story or what happened or. Oh. No. Uh, no. Yeah. I mean, it just you live in the darkness. And well, you know, one of those uh, goofy little sayings we always have in, in, in recovery is that you're only as sick as your secrets, you know. And I 100% believe that. Yeah. I, I do. And, and I've seen it in my own life and I've seen it in others because it also, yeah, there's something weird that happens when, when one spouse is told to keep a secret for the other spouse. And now the relationship is another level of unhealthy and you know, part of it may have been, she was a Christian therapist too. So I feel like there may have been a little that that may have played a big role in it too, of don't, he's the man of the house. He's the whatever, blah, you know, Uh, we could could go down several roads on this one. I won't even go there anymore, but, (laughs) but it was very, it was very effed up. First of all, I'm so sorry that happened to you because nobody deserves that. And and nobody deserves to be treated that way. And, And the last thing you want to be told is, it's your job to perpetuate the problem. Right. You know, you're like, no, I'm trying to get out of this, you know? And, um, and, and, you know, to be totally clear with you, I got sober when I was 27 in 1991 and, and my mother never got sober, you mm-hmm. know, and my mother died in 2014 of long-term prescription drug use, mm-hmm. you know, and, and when she was in the hospital, she had three heart attacks and she was in the ICU, uh, in Lafayette and good Sam. And, you know, the doctor came out and I, I, I was on call. You know, my sister and I had developed the system, right? Yeah. I was on call. So I went and my sister, the doctor came out and he's like, so I'm really sorry. And I'm like, oh, it's okay. And he's like, really? I'm like, yeah, dude. I mean, I'm not surprised. And he's like, I mean, I'm sad. It's my mom. I love my mom. But mm-hmm. this is terrible. I mean, this is awful. But I mean, this is no surprise. And he's like, your dad is in the waiting room bawling, saying this is such a shock. And we were all like, there's no way she has this much drugs in her body, the toxic. She's so toxic. He goes, I can't give her anything. Oh. There's nothing I can do. She's got, most people come in here. We're like, oh, we can do this. We can put this drug in. That'll fix it. She already has that, you know? And I'm like, yeah, I know. And, and he, he's like, oh, okay. I said, yeah, I'm a therapist. This is what I do. Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. This is where I come from. And I said, you know, my, I love my dad. I love my dad. My dad died two years ago. I love my dad. 
Um, but I mean, you know, that's, that's now we're talking, now we're into the entire environment, right? You know, yep. keep the secret out. Like it didn't happen. I don't know what you're talking about. Your mother didn't have a problem. I'm like dad, yeah. everybody knew, you know, yep. I mean, yep. come on. You know? But it was easier um, to buy into the secret versus admit it. Yeah. And he had learned that in his childhood. Sure. You know, it is, it is mom. so generational. Oh my God. I mean, it's just, it's the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> you know, it's the, yeah. it's, the, it's the gift that keeps on giving, Clark. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's the game the whole family can play. Yeah, yeah it's the jelly of the month club. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's really it's nutty. It's just absolutely nutty. And and I'll tell you, um, and I'm you know, the, one of the things that I always tell people, so that people always want, to, then they come to me they're like, all right, well, what do I do? Mm-hmm. You know, I have a loved one. Where do we go? Are we yep. are we are we, are, we, are we ready to get to the solution? You, you yeah. want to go there? <laughs> Do okay. it. Do it. Uh, yeah, all right. Okay. Um, so, you know, I always tell them, well, you know, <clears throat> you can't expect them to do something you're not willing to do. So, and they're like, well, what do you mean? <laughs> I'm like, well, you, so the most effective way to fix a family system is to fix you, not to fix them. And they're like, okay, what else you got? You know, I'm like, yeah, no, I know, because that's going to be hard. Right. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and but it's but what you got to do is really tighten up and take care of yourself and, and start saying things like, um, I don't agree with that. I mean, you're an adult. You can do what you want. But if you're going to do that, I am not going to participate mm-hmm. or or I'm going to create distance. Or if you're going to continue and you're in you know, the situation you're talking about, you know, seeing other people, I'm going to call a lawyer. And I'm not I'm not yelling, throwing tantrums and threatening and trying to get you to behave. I'm like. Oh, no, no, I get it. You're an adult. That's your choice. But then here's my choice. Right. You right. know, and I'm going to take care of me. Yeah. And, and and that's what it really comes down to. That's the number one thing you have to learn how to do is set an appropriate boundary, have an accountability function to the boundary, and then have a system of rewards and consequences behind that boundary. And remember, the boundary isn't about them. It's about you. Right. You know, it's about you saying this as far as I go. And, and, and if you're going to choose to go there, I'm just not going to go with you. Right. And I'm, and I'm going to move on, you know, and, and God bless you. And I hope it works out. Yeah. But, you know, that's what the initial stage of recovery for the codependent or the, the trauma survivor looks like is getting. Now, that takes getting help. You know? I was going to say, I, I don't feel like I was mentally there. I don't feel mm-hmm. like I was such a mess when I found yeah. out that the life I thought we lived there were two separate lives going on and I had no idea about life number two. And you know, you go back and you look and you say, man, I wish I could have said, Hey, this isn't working for me. Instead codependency flares up. And so, yeah, it, it, it's really interesting when you are married to an addict and you yourself have been the codependent, they've been the addict and then you don't trust yourself. You don't know what to do. You're in therapy together, so it's not really like you're working on yourself. All of a sudden, you're in marriage therapy, and it's like, well, wait a minute. This is, how can I work on me, and you're here, and it's very messy. Yeah, and you're absolutely right, and that's one of, one of the, the one of the things that I do as a licensed marriage and family therapist. When I work with a couple, I am, I'm insistent that they're both seeing someone individually and, and mm-hmm. working out their own stuff. And, and because couples therapy is not intended to be focused on one person's situation. Yep. It's intended to be focused on the system and how the system is existing and how we can fix that and change that and move that towards a different direction. 
But, you know, um, I mean, I have some, I have some terrible therapy stories, you know, oh, yeah. um, my, my, current, my current wife and I saw someone in Denver and it was a disaster, mm-hmm. I mean, just an absolute disaster. And, and I look back on it now, I was like, Oh God, I mean, it was just, that was, what the heck was that all about? You know? And, right. Right. Um, and then I think sometimes you have to say, you know what, it's just not going to work or <laughs> this is so unhealthy. This is so yep. You know, I remember the therapist I finally found that was good. Um, and I think this was our third or fourth marriage therapist. She goes, okay, if, if you want to stay in this marriage, we have to blow it up and start over because it is so unhealthy. And I remember looking at her and I said, I wouldn't choose him again. I don't want to be here. And it was finally that moment of clarity after 16 years of, oh, if that's what it takes, I don't want this. I'm so full yeah. of hate and resentment and I've gotten healthy and he hasn't. It, it was just such a mess, but it took how many different marriage therapists in how many different States to finally get to that point. But I was also getting healthier. I was seeing somebody else on my own and that was the difference. Yeah. That's the key is that you, you can't go into marriage and couples therapy or family therapy for that matter, thinking you're going to fix the other person. Right. You know, and the, the goal is to fix the system. And by the way, you're part of the system. Yes. And, and, and you have to acknowledge the role that you play in the system. And that's not to say that the other person might be having an addiction problem or something glaringly obvious. Yeah. But but, yeah. A, but a good therapist knows that's just on the that's just what's on the surface. Yeah. We, we got to yeah. get underneath that. And if this is, you know, if this is a, a, an addiction situation that's been going on for years. It's like, OK, so. Why aren't, why aren't we doing something about that? What's mm-hmm. the story here? Why, why are we here? What's, you know, why aren't you handling your addiction and why are you tolerating their addiction? Right. It's like, oh, no, no, mm-hmm. I just want you to fix them. It's like, no, I don't do that. You right. Know? And, what I, and, and, and that's really the key piece. And that's hard, right? Because like we said, the, 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 the profile of the codependent is that I'm right. I'm not the one causing the problem. I, put, I make sure the kids are fed. I put them to bed. I clean the house. I cook the food. I put the money on the table. I do all those things, you know, while Bozo over here is blowing things up mm-hmm. um, or is asleep on the couch or, or is just completely out of it, you know, and it's like, how can I have a problem? I'm not the problem. Right. And it's like, well, yeah, but you are because you're perpetuating the lie, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and let's, and, and let's get you some help and let's get you to a place where you don't do that anymore. Right. And, and let's see how, let's see how that impacts the relationship. You know? Right. Right. And then the wheels pop off the bus for some of us. (laughs) Some of us and some others of us, you know, what the, what happens is that like, like you said, it's like we blow the thing up and they're like, Oh, Oh no, I don't want to lose you. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well then these things have to change. Okay. And then it's, then it's not about punishing the person. It's Mm -hmm. like saying, so let's get you the help that you need. Let's get you what you need to fix this. Right. You know, and on both sides. No, I I agree. I agree. And I think yeah. that's why I love the first step is taking care of you. Oh yeah. You know, powerless over blank yep. and our lives have become unmanageable, you know, and, and, and this, this, the second half of the first step, our lives have become unmanageable is so critical yeah. because that means we're yeah. going to have to start taking a look at the way we live, mm-hmm. the way we act and the way we treat people, Yep. you know, and that's what has to change. Right. Yeah. And sometimes we don't know our lives have become unmanageable until something does blow up. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Because you thought about all the plates spinning. (laughs) Oh, that was my favorite analogy. I'm like, remember the vaudeville actor, the guy's back there spinning all the plates. Yeah. And they're like, and I'm like, yeah, okay, let the plates drop. 
And they're like, so oh. tough. I'm like, let the plates drop. What's I had, we had a, I had a great, my, I had a great therapist, my first marriage, um, marriage wasn't great. Therapist was great. And, and she said, I want you to consider that there are three baskets. There's the A basket, the B basket, and the C basket. A is life threatening. A is like the kid is choking. Okay. The house is on fire. You know, that's an A basket issue. A B basket is we probably need to figure something out pretty darn quick here, but no one's going to die. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, we, we, we got to come up with a solution. A sea basket is, you know, sometime in the next couple months, we're going to have to sort this out, but it's not a crisis. And she's like, here's the one rule. You can't put stuff in the A basket that belongs in the B basket. And she goes, I want to give you a hint. There's very little that goes in the A basket. Wow. A basket is like someone has cancer. Sure. You know, and and she goes, and that's not your situation. So you guys got to quit living in this spiral of trauma Mm -hmm. and this spiral of chaos and crisis. Right. And and you got to start, you know, and you got to start. And the way you do that is by dealing with your own stuff. Yep. Favorite, favorite phrase. You know, you know, you know me. I have my little catches and my wife says we're going to print T-shirts and it's going to say happy families come from happy individuals. Happy individuals work on their shit. Everybody has shit. And on the back, it's going to say, and of course, we're going to talk about your childhood. <laughs> <laughs> it just all comes back there. I mean, even just learning from the start of our conversation today that codependency is now family of origin trauma. Yeah. Yeah, that one's going to yeah. stick with me. I'm going to call my sister be like, holy shit, guess what? <laughs> yeah. Because we'll send each other TikToks. I'm like, did you know? <laughs> I'll make one and send it to you. Yeah, yeah, make one and be like, this is my friend Kevin. Here's what he had to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because no, it does. It no. just, everybody has shit. You got to deal with your own shit. And yeah, yeah there's probably going to stuff that's going to go back to your family of origin that's not pretty. Well, and, and, and again, people, when they hear trauma, they think, you know, war, sexual yeah. assault, murder. And I'm like, no, that's, we call that big T trauma, right? And then there's little T trauma. And little T trauma is just the accumulative things of like we're talking about, watching your parents fight, watching your parents not talk to each other, you know, dinner not being consistent, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's all those things, right, that build up over time that disrupt a child's emotional capacity and development. Well, and I think that's so huge to hear is that trauma does not have to be the big T that the little T can affect you just as much. And that's okay. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry about that. They're speaking of trauma. Right. (laughs) I mean, by by the way, I want to be super clear. Um, All this stuff I'm talking about, you know, healthy lifestyles and everything and how to, how to treat your partner. It doesn't apply to how we handle our animals on any level whatsoever. (laughs) They run the show. (laughs) There's no boundaries. There's no, 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 no. no. They sleep in the bed. They get what they want. Right. you know, you go downstairs, the house is littered with dog toys. I mean, we are just pathetic. But like you were talking about, you know, the family of origin trauma and being aware of that. Because that awareness really is the big piece, right? Mm-hmm. It's understanding mm-hmm. that you don't have to grow up in, you know, the worst of the worst of the worst. And that's what people always mm-hmm. want to do. Well, I, that wasn't us. I'm like, look, I want to tell you something. It wasn't me either. You know, I grew up in a $2 million home. We had BMWs. We had trips to Hawaii. On the outside, we had everything. But on the inside, it was crazy town, you know, and there was just a lot of nutty behavior going on that 
It took me years to figure out and sort through. And, 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 and that's the reality of the situation. And I want to be clear with you. Everybody has a story. You know, every time someone's like, oh, you know, the, these people are dysfunctional. I'm like, everybody's dysfunctional, bro. There's no, there's no, there's no functional family. Mm-mm. You know, we, we've mm-hmm. never found the perfect family that's everything's, you know, groovy toovy. Nope. You know, that's, that's, that's not how it works, you nope. know, and, but it, but it's how you respond to it, yep. you know, and the response needs to be, I love you. We're not going to do this anymore. Let's find you some help. You know, and and it not you know uh, getting getting mad at people or coming. What's wrong with you? It's like, mm-hmm. what happened to you? Let's 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 figure this out together. I'm I'm going to support you. I may not be able to fix it, but I want to support you as you take care of yourself. You know? Well, and I love what you just said because I can see looking in the mirror too and saying that same thing. I love you. We're not yeah. going to do this anymore. Yeah. Let's know, get you I'm some here. help. Right. Exactly. I mean, that's the, that, that exactly. I mean, people that do that generally have done it for themselves first and they can offer it back to their loved ones and be like, so here's the deal. I'm taking care of me and, you know, I think you need to take care of you. But if you're not going to do that, I don't know how much longer I'm going to stick around, yep. you know, and, and, and I'm not obligated to this. I don't have to do this. You know, I mean, I choose to spend my time with you because I love you and I care about you. But if you're not going to take care of yourself, it turns out I can't do it for you. And, 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 you know, that's good. That's a tough call. That is a tough call. Man, it's very hard. I had to have that conversation with my mom. I'm like, you know, I love you, but this is not healthy. And she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, okay, cool. And I mean, and I hung out with my mom, but very limited, you know? Right. And and I was just like, this is, it's not, it's not healthy. And, um, and when you put your health and your boundaries first, things become a lot more clear. When you, when you stop looking at everybody else and what they're doing. Yeah. You know, I think one of the things, again, cute little phrase is that, you know, stop, um, stop complaining about dealing with clowns. Ask yourself, why do I keep going to the circus? You know, it's like, well, you know, I mean, it's easy for me to see because I'm a professional and I'm trained and I'm recovered in this, Mm -hmm. but I'll talk to people and they're just like, Oh my God, Oh my God. Oh my God. I'm like, you know, you have a choice. Yep. Just, just so we're clear, you have a choice. You don't have, I always, one of my favorite analogies is that every morning when you wake up, when you're living in this environment, every morning when you wake up and you open your front door, it's like one of the cars from the roller coaster shows up. It's like, oh, hey, we're ready for you. And you have a choice. You don't got to get in. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't got to go on the roller coaster ride. You can be like, you know, today, no roller coaster for me. Thanks anyway. Yep. You know, and, and everyone's going to be like, what? What do you mean? Oh, come on. You're not having any fun. And I'm like, no, I like my life serene. Yep. You know, life's going to bring me stuff all by itself. Um, I don't need to go manufacture it. I don't need and I don't need to talk. I don't need to take on your stuff. Yeah. You know? And uh, but again, that takes years of work and a lot of therapeutic awareness. And, and I would tell you that I also, I mean, I'm a huge believer in Al-Anon and Codependence Anonymous and Adult mm-hmm. Children of Alcoholics mm-hmm. and all those programs, I yep. think. And there's a lot of great therapists out there that do their own thing and that help people recover from that kind of, you know, family of origin trauma, traumatic childhood, codependency, whatever you want to call it. And, and as long as those people are helping you address you, and take a look at you. If you're in there constantly bitching about the other person and focus, here's what they did and here's what they did and here's what they did. That's not good therapy. Right. 
you know, I'm sorry, that's just not. I mean, initially when you're doing like, let me tell you why I'm here. But oh, and by the way, I have a memory. But I'm like, oh, okay. So, so what did you learn from that? Oh, yeah. I learned I needed to do this. Okay, how are we going to correct that? Yep. You know. Yep. And that's good therapy. Yeah. That yeah. is good therapy. <laughs> well, I always love talking to you because we're going to talk again because there's so much more to uncover. Oh, I, I can. I have plenty of stuff to talk about. All right. I'm counting on that, Kevin. Kevin Peterson, licensed marriage and family therapist and the starter, the founder of Chronic Hope Institute. You can find out more information about the work that Kevin does. You can reach out to him at chronichope.us. And I'll also throw that in the show notes. Until next time. I'm Melissa Moore. Thank you for listening and being here today for Unshackling the Soul. It would really mean a lot to me if you could take 30 seconds to do each of these three things. Number one, follow or subscribe to the Unshackling the Soul podcast. And if you're kind of technically challenged like me, it's easy. Just go to the Unshackling the Soul show page on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Then click on the plus sign in the upper right-hand corner or just click on follow. And the nice thing is you never miss an episode and then I never miss a chance to get to connect with you. And while you're there, if you'd be willing to give me a five-star rating and review and even share an episode with a friend, that would really mean a lot. I am so glad you're here. And I really do believe you are here today, right now listening for a reason. And I appreciate you.